Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. <laughs> Hallelujah. You guys are awesome. You're very kind. It's not always deserved, but you're kind anyway. I was studying, uh, this is just a little revelation. I'm not going to charge you anything extra for this. But because it's come up a couple of times during the service about joy. And I, 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 uh, I learned something. Oh, and Nanette, that's, that was one of it. Nanette gave me a little testimony. She said she was doing some yard work out there, and she had a, uh, a trash bag full of stuff, and it was too heavy for her to lift. And she said, the Scripture came to me, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so she just rejoiced, and uh, for a minute she said, and when she picked the bag up, it was much lighter and she could carry it. Now, now what I wanted to do was I wanted to see in the Spirit and see that angel was helping her. It reminded me of Isaiah chapter 12 that's, that I've been meditating for some time. And it really just says, the joy, with joy you shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. And I was thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And remembering in Amos, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then I realized it's saying, that's how you, jo- that's how you draw water out of the wells is with joy, with joy. That's your bucket. And, it's, and, and when I think about things like that, it just joy just bubbles up on the inside of me. And I'm not going to charge you for that. Uh, that that's extra, that's, but it's free. We're going to talk today about something that I think is very, um, it's very timely, and especially for this church that's looking to move forward and to get ahead, go, go, change, make a difference. Uh, impact our city. And, and that thing is that we started on Wednesday night, this, this series by John, Javir, John Bevere uh, called The Bait of Satan. And, and it's an old book. It's been around a long time, but the video, I, I understand, is quite new. And if you, it, some of you are here Wednesday night, you, you all went away going, wow, uh, you know, and, and starting to look inside and see what you're missing. And so I thought about this because I was already planning um, today's message ever since they asked me to share today. Uh, But the the message I'm going to bring you is one that the Lord gave me on a Sunday night when we were in Dominican Republic uh, in Santo Domingo. And and, uh, our days when we're traveling are, are packed with Freedom Crusades. And and I, I didn't have a whole lot of time before the service, and I said, Lord, I don't know what, I don't know what you want me to, to share with these people. And, but uh, they had a desk in the room. I sat down at the desk, opened my Bible, and he just downloaded a little message to me that I'd never seen or preached. And I'm going to share it with you today. you just lucky, you lucky dogs. But it goes along with what we're doing. It goes along with all the things that we're studying, all the things that we're wanting to accomplish. And we understand and you understand that for us to move forward, we can't move forward like we are. We have to, there has to be some change. And then I've always been, I've been uh, perturbed very often 
because of the wonderful promises in the scripture about answered prayer. And so sometimes I'm thinking, well, you know, how come we're having such a hard time getting answered prayer when the scripture is very vivid and very uh, straightforward about it? And I think maybe this is one of those things. Today, you, you'll learn uh, something about that maybe this could be the reason why we, we struggle sometimes getting our prayers answered. So uh, I hope that you're, you're paying attention because this could very well affect you. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, so thankful for you. Lord, your presence here this morning is sweet. As we worship you, you inhabit our praises, Lord. You come and, and lift us higher, Father, because you are so faithful. And Lord, the praises and the worship, those are your due. We, we worship you because we love you. I read the other day that, that, that spirit-led worship is like a kiss of love. And Lord, we just worship you. We just love you enough. We want to kiss you. And we do so through our worship, Lord. We do so through our worship. So I ask you this morning to help me share this word in a timely manner at a proper time, Lord. I thank you that the people will have ears to hear. And as Jesus once spoke, let these words sink down into their ears so that they find root in their hearts, Lord. Thank you, Father. I can't do this myself. Of my own self, I can do nothing, Lord, but I trust in you. I've trusted you for many, many years. You've never failed. And I thank you that you'll not fail today because your, your desire for this body and your people to move forward is so much greater than mine or even Pastor Andrews or any of us. We want to see the body become all that it's to be so that we can accomplish all that's in your heart for us to do. And we can't do it without cleaving to your word and listening to your spirit. So we do that today. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm going to begin uh, in Mark chapter 4, uh, around the 10th verse there, because Jesus is talking to his disciples, and, and he was talking to the multitude for a while there, and he spoke the, the parable of the sower. You all remember the parable of the sower. Farmer went, went forth and, and scattered seed is the way it began. But then it says when he was alone with his disciples, he began to speak. And that's where I'm going to take it up in the 10th verse. As soon as he was alone, Jesus was alone, those who were around him with the 12 began to ask him about the parables. Verse 11, he said, and he said to them, to you it has been entrusted, and this is from the Amplified, by the way, to you it has been entrusted the mystery of the kingdom of God, parentheses in the Amplified, that is the secret counsels of God, which are hidden from the ungodly, close parentheses. But for those outside of our circle, everything be becomes a parable. And he said to them in the 13th verse, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all the parables? And he said a kind of spectacular thing to his disciples and those that he was speaking to. And that was this, basically, if you understand this parable, it's a key to understanding all the parables. And we know that immediately he goes on and begins to say, the sower, he explains the parable to them, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. So all this kingdom stuff is bound up in the word of God, and all the parables that he spoke had to do with the kingdom of God. And that's, a, that's an important distinction that we need to understand. 
Kingdom is what he was all about. That was he was, you know, he spoke more about kingdom than he did about salvation. Matter of fact, I only remember him mentioning new birth once. That doesn't lessen its importance, but the kingdom, see, to, you've got to be born again to enter the kingdom, he told Nicodemus. There's so much about the kingdom in the New Testament. We have to begin to ask the Lord, show us the kingdom as well. In, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus said, the kingdom doesn't come, speaking of the, that present time, with observation. In other words, you're not going to see it with your eyes, but you can see it with the eyes of your heart because it's within you. And he is king of our hearts, or should be. And if he's not, you need to give him his rightful due, his rightful place. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and raise your eyebrows and say, hmm. All right. You know what I mean. All right. So he began, he said, uh, the sower sows the word. And the ones along the path are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. And in the same way, the, the ones sown upon stony ground are those who have the word sown in their hearts, but when they hear, oh, excuse me, I'm I reading the same scripture, verse 16. The, the, in the same way, the ones sown on stony ground are those who, who, when they hear the word, at once they receive it and accept it and welcome it with joy. Hmm. Verse 17, they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while. And then when trouble and persecution arise on account of the word, they are immediately offended, parentheses, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. I, I searched this in a number of translations because here we see in, in the Amplified that they become offended. And we, if you were here Wednesday night, you, uh, John Bevere talked about offense. And, and he went into great detail and we all went away under conviction. <laughs> what can I say? Here we see it again. Now, all the translations don't say offended, but they all, many of them translate offended as stumble or fall away. And, but, but Amplified here is very true, and it says they were offended, and it caused them to stumble and fall away. And this happens because these are people who have, they don't have a heart, they don't have the soil that wants to, the soil of their heart is not so to please God. They, they become excited about the message. But it's all about them and it's not about anything else. It's not about kingdom. It's just they're thinking that they're going to gain something from it if they, if they follow this. But a little persecution, a little trouble. Uh, how many of you have had some of that? And they, get, they become offended. Well, it didn't work for me. I don't know what you're talking about. I tried it and it didn't work. You ever hear something like that? My gosh. And they get offended and they stumble and they fall away. They fall away. That's what's happening in these last days as well. The Apostle Paul said there's going to be a great falling away before the end, before the son of perdition is, is uncovered or revealed, a falling away. But I won't go into that. We could do something on that because that's, that's a pretty important one. Actually, I did. So, so uh, but that word we learned Wednesday night, offended, has to do with, it's the, the Greek word skandalizo. Skandalizo, and it has to do with a, a, a trip stick. Uh, it has to do with baiting a trap, 
and they put the little stick in there that, it, that when, when the, the, the prey touches that stick, it moves the stick and it drops the trap. And that's basically what this is about. So the, they were offended. And, and who are they offended at? Well, they're offended at everybody that said this is going to be good and you're going to enjoy this. And they're offended at the word. They're offended at the other people around them. They're offended because they didn't get what they thought they should get. And there's so very many times that believers really fall into that trap. They get jealous when another person gets blessed. But they don't know what that other person's been doing and living. They, they, they can't see anything but the blessing. And they become very often offended and jealous of it. And think that they should have received it instead because they're a much better person than the one that got it. Um, Hey, um, we're, we're gonna t we, there's no reason to beat around the bush. We might as well just talk about how it is because anything less is not going to get us where we want to be. And I, I, I trust that you're of those that want to go to the next level, that want, want to reach up, that, want, that you're not satisfied where you are. we got a wonderful church. It's so peaceful. It's so comfortable. But we know that we have to do more because that's his will. We know that we have to reach people with the secrets that we have learned here. Bring them in and train them up. Make disciples. And making a disciple, we, we were talking about this earlier, making a disciple is not about going to a discipleship class. That, that's not what, see, he didn't, he didn't ever tell them, he, when he told his, his disciples, go and preach the word and make disciples of all the nations. He didn't mean get them all to come to your discipleship class, though that may be helpful to them. Disciple is one who walks in the footsteps of his master. He's one that wants to follow him that closely. It's not about going to class and getting a certificate that you finished. That does not make you a disciple. It's when your life becomes conformed to his life because Jesus talked to them about it. He said, if you're going to walk in my footsteps, you're going to go through the things I went through. And a lot of people say, oh, no, that offends me. It's just true, isn't it? That offends me. I don't, don't, don't preach that hard stuff to me. Well, we're going to talk about some hard stuff this morning, some scary stuff this morning. But because I know who you are, I've seen, I've seen how this church works. You're going to hear it and receive it, and it'll change you, and you're going to go on. Because we used to say it like this. I see, I know, I know, I, uh, how do we say I, I see, I know, I do. Or we would change the, the rhythm a little bit. I see, I know, I do. <laughs> All right? So we're going to see today, and we're going to know and do. Amen? Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you now. Uh, yeah, be careful now. Don't get judging, judgmental here. All right. So that, that's verse 17. 18 says, The ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word, and then the cares and the anxieties of the word, world and the distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour. Whoa. Oh, come on now. You, you, you're getting too close to home. Let, let me do that again. You didn't get it. The one sown among the thorns, or they, they hear the word. Then the cares and the anxieties of the world, the distractions of this age, oh, how many are those? The pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches. Oh, boy. 
And the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. That's, that's, those are strong words, folks. How many believers are fruitless? See, he's talking about that they, they heard the word. They received the word with gladness. Yay, I love this. This is wonderful. I'm saved. Hallelujah. But they're fruitless. How many believers are fruitless? They bear no fruit. And that's one of the reasons he says to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. Ow, ow. <laughs> ow. Some of these words are sharp. Well, it's no wonder it's a sword. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder between the soul and the spirit and the, and, and, and the flesh, etc. Yeah, it's sharp. It'll prick you. But that's good for you. When, listen, he doesn't, he doesn't correct those that he doesn't love. That he, he corrects those that he loves. So if you feel the Word of God kind of, ah, oh, hey, just say, thank you, Lord. Show me. Teach me. Thank you for loving me enough to, make, to change my direction. I love this. <laughs> this is so good. And, and when I was reading the, the 18th verse there, I kept thinking about John chapter 15. Abide in me. If you become fruitless, well, I'm not going to tell you because that would upset somebody. They might be offended. But those that become fruitless who never bear fruit, I think in John 15 it says something about pruning and throwing in a fire or something like that, but I'm not going to go there. All right, so we're going to move on down to verse 20. And those sown on the good, well-adapted soil are the ones who hear the word and receive and accept and welcome it and bear fruit. So there's a test. Are you bearing fruit? If you're not bearing fruit, hey, you need a little adjustment here so you can. This is, not, this is not about, you know, condemning you and sending you to hell. This is about adjusting your life so it can be in line with the master, so that you can walk in his footsteps, so you can do it his way. Because there's only one way that's really right and good. And ultimately, only one way that produces what your heart cries for. That's only one. And that's his way. You know, somebody said, is, is, is your way or the highway? No, it's his way and it is the highway. See, it's, it's that simple. They welcome it and bear fruit, some 30 times as much as sown, some 60 as much, and some even 100 times as much. So this is the picture of the key to the parables of the kingdom. When we know it's, it has to do with the Word of God, and we absolutely know that the Spirit of God is our teacher. Uh, Jesus said in, in John chapter 14 and 15, he talks about, the Holy Spirit is going to teach you all things, and he's going to bring to remembrance everything that I've said. So all of this becomes teaching. And then once you begin to listen to him, then he can use you to do all these other things. But sometimes you've got to get some things straight in your life before you're usable. You follow what I'm saying? Okay. Because I'll promise you this, and I know a little bit about electricity, enough to be dangerous, but I know that if, you, if, if you've got a, a, a wire that's cut or corroded, it may make contact, it may pass some, some electricity, but sooner or later you're going to have a fire. And it's not the fresh fire that, that, that we're talking about in, 
This is a destructive fire. Are you following what I'm saying? So he wants, he wants you to be a pure vessel so his power can flow through you unimpeded and without damaging you. We see some, we see some examples of being close, to the, uh, being close to the power with corroded vessels. I, I, I remember the, the guys that were trying to carry the, the ark wrong. And they touched it and they got electrocuted or something. And then how about in the New Testament in the early church? Ananias and Sapphira. They, they, they came in and, and were pretending that they had done what the Holy Spirit had said to them to do. And they dropped dead. Because you can't mishandle the power. And the stronger the power, the more, uh, the more pure the vessel has to be that carries it. Uh, all right. Are we doing okay? Uh, uh, nobody's offended yet? Okay. All right. So now let's talk about something a little more scary. You okay, Daniel? Yeah, you, uh, oh, I thought you were biting your fingernails there. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 20, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, and this is from the message. I did it because I like the way it reads. It's not because it's, you know, it's more accurate or something. I just like the way it said it, okay? And this is a scary parable. At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. <laughs> Try seven times seven, 70 times seven. Well, that's 490, but who's going to keep count that long, huh? Verse 23, the kingdom of God, it's a parable, right? The kingdom of God is like a king. And don't just read through this you got to realize we're talking about a king and his kingdom. All right. so, so the picture is obvious, don't, don't you think? We know who we're talking about. All right. A king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him uh, with a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay up, so the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods to be auctioned off at the slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. Glory to God. What does that sound like? Does that sound like when we came to the king and, and said, uh, You know, I got $100,000 worth of sin and I can't pay it? And he took pity on us and he erased our debt. That's, that's the picture we have here, but let's continue. The poor, uh, excuse me, the king's, uh, wait, wait a minute, let me find where I am. All right. Um, the servant was, this is verse 28. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him 10 bucks. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay me up, pay up now, pay me. And, but he wouldn't do it. He had, he, oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. Same thing that the other man had used at the king's feet. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. And the king summoned the man and said, you evil servant. I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asks for mercy? The king was furious. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. 
because it's scary. Scared me anyway. The king was furious and put the screws to the man. That was a form of torture, by the way. That's, uh, until he paid back his entire debt. And verse 35 says, that's exactly what my father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. Oh, you think we ought to pray or something? It, it, uh, yeah, come on. All right. That's pretty straightforward. And, I, and, and some people get offended. He's not like that. He wouldn't do that. Well, Jesus is the one that spoke this. So you're going to have to argue with him, not me. I, di I, didn't, I didn't embellish this. I, di I didn't take it and dress it up. I just gave it to you straight, straight up. <laughs> what are you going to do? So we'll continue here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. There's another one. This is scary too. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, and shall... <laughs> Some of you know this one, huh? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Oh, we know what's coming. Okay. Shall enter the kingdom of heaven. So that, now it qualifies as a kingdom parable, does it not? Yeah. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? i tell you what's scary is because, well, first of all, most Christians will never be able to say that. You know, we prophesied, we cast out devils, we healed the sick, we did all these things in your name. Because most Christians just don't go there. They can, they have the authority, they just, they just won't. Maybe it's because they're afraid of failure. But you're, you're not, if it works, you didn't heal them. You see, that's where we, that's where we get kind of confused. I, uh, you know, the Lord says, this brother, this brother needs prayer. You know, he's, he's got something wrong with him. And you go and pray for him. And nothing happens. So the next time, you don't, you don't, you just, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to pray for somebody and it doesn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. Right. Is that a kind of offense? I think maybe it is. But let me ask you something. If you had laid hands on the man and he had been healed, now you're going to take credit for the healing. Like you took, you, like you, you took credit for the failure. You follow what I'm saying? It's not you either way. All you got to do is obey. And if you pray, <laughs> I remember when I first learned this way back in 76, 77, before most of you were born. And I remember the, about the first five or six people I went, I, I went to pray for, the first one was in a hospital. I was really bold and nothing happened. And the next five I prayed for, nothing happened. And then something happened on number six. What was I glad too? Because I think, you know what's the first thing? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? You got to bear fruit, folks. And to bear fruit, you got to obey. And you can't, you can't, it's not up to you to produce results. I don't care how hard you try. Hey, listen, a doctor with, with all the, the letters after his name, you know, he can have a, the, the biggest practice in, in, in Houston. He can be the renowned heart surgeon, but he still hadn't been able to heal a single heart. 
It's just true. There's only one that heals. There's only one that heals. Your body's designed to heal itself, and the doctors, the best they can do is help your body do what it's designed to do because they can't replace broken cells. They can't fix broken parts. They can, they can patch a, a bone back together so it can heal. But they can't, they can't take a broken bone and heal it. So, I mean, with, with all the wisdom we have in the earth and all the miraculous things or seemingly miraculous things that the doctors can do, and I'm glad for them. I really am. I'm glad for them because some of them are go, you go, wow. I mean, just think about how they can operate with lasers on an eye these days and, and restore sight. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. There's a lot of them thinks, but wait a minute, hold it. Who taught man to do all this stuff? I read in Psalms, it's God that gives man knowledge. They went to school, but yeah, they, they didn't catch all this. God's doing downloads all the time to, to, to sinners when they're going to benefit his people. When, because we, this world, we are his family and we were robbed. He, he was robbed of his family and he's making things right. And that's why you're here today is because he made things right. He got you back. You, you were lost. He, he loved you in particular. And yes, of course, Jesus came for the sin of all the world. But how come all the world's not in here today? Well, besides, it wouldn't fit. How come? Because, because you, you received him. He's there for everybody, but you've got to receive him. And the world says, uh, I don't think I want to because I'll have to give too much. And we were in Dominican Republic, and, and uh, I remember uh, we were all pretty amazed because some of the churches wouldn't receive us very well. The church that I preached this little message in uh, didn't, you know, only Brother Hagin used to say only two snaggletooth women came forward. And I felt like that's what happened there because none of the rest of the church thought this is important enough to, to, to follow or they thought we're already there. We've already achieved. So, so Jason was out there and, and of course he's, he's our fearless leader and president of the, the Freedom Crusades. And, but he was going through, we were going through the hotel and, and in the restaurants and praying for people, and they were getting healed. And he'd say, you know, you, you, you ready to receive Jesus? And some of them, some of them said, well, no, I don't, I don't want to give up drinking and women. And well, wait a minute. They're more honest than most people that, you know, they start all making all kinds of excuses. <laughs> it, it, it was, Dominican Republic was a real revelation to us. We, other churches in Latin America was, received us totally uh, the opposite way. They were glad. I told you about that pastor in Shaloma that came up to me after our first pastor's breakfast. He brought an interpreter over here and says, he said, Pastor, this is a bad place. We need your help. And Freedom Crusade has been helping in Honduras and in Shaloma ever since. Amen? And that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. All right. So here we are with these scary, scary scriptures. Oh. Not everyone, verses, uh, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, and this sounds like mostly preachers, because most of the people, again, are simply not doing it, but I know, I know many of you, and I know that many of you are not afraid. You do it. But, but either way, 
Many will say, Lord, Lord, I have, have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Verse 23, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. They're a law to themselves. They're going to do the works of Jesus, but they're not going to follow his commands. Are you following me? You with me? Because it's not enough to do the works uh, some people think, well, yeah, and, and a lot of the people, the, a, lot of, a lot of guys, I'm sorry to say, do it to be seen to build their ministry. We're talking about kingdom here. We're not talking about your ministry. It's his ministry anyway. When it's your ministry, well, it's a whole different story. But we are ministers in his name, working under his control for his glory. And if we lose sight of that, then we may hear, Lord, Lord. All right, But everyone who hears the, oh, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Then I will declare, when uh, he's going to say this, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, hold, hold. Don't run off with me, okay? I mean, don't, don't get ahead. Because verse 24 says, therefore, therefore. At least my New King James does. That the, the, the one here doesn't say therefore, but in my New King James it says therefore, and of course we all know that when we see therefore, we ask, what's it there for? Because it always refers back to the previous passage. All right? Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him, like him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. This foundation, this rock. Well, if you do a study, hey, it's a fun study to study out, go through the scriptures and look at the rock because he is our rock and our fortress our high tower in whom we can run, in, into whom we can run. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. These are, do you, I want you to get the, the, the passion behind these things. He's not just saying it lightly. He's giving them a warning as well as a promise. All right. Continuing on. This is from Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. For, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and now here we are, Luke 6, 38. Thank you, David. Set me right up here. Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down and shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom for the, with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. But there's a scary part in there. We read right over it because we, we're trying to read through the Bible in a year. And, and, it, and, and we, we don't catch the implications, forgive and you will be forgiven because the implication is don't forgive and you got it. You won't be forgiven. That's scary. That's scary. With the same measure that you meet, okay? You don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. 
It's simple. Seed time and harvest. All right. So I began to do some, I began to do some study, some further study here. And the word forgive there in Luke 6.37 is the Greek word apoluo. Apoluo. Interesting word. It has to do with number one, forgive, has to do with number two, release. Number three, sent forth. All right? Three different ways that this word is translated. Forgiveness or forgive, release, and sent forth. Three different ways it's translated in the New Testament. So we, we, we've got to look at this. Mark 11, verse 22 says, and before I read this, we all know Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, don't we? You know, the one that Brother Hagin wrote? Or some people have said, you know, those are, those are, the, those are the scriptures Dad Hagin wrote, the scriptures about faith here. But you're familiar with them. Have faith in God, Jesus said. Have faith in God, verse 22. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's good. I love that. All right. How about you? Therefore, therefore, get it? I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Can you say amen? amen. We know what this says. We've, we've studied it. We've studied it. We've, we've worked it. We've operated it. Except that we didn't go to verse 25. And it's critical that we do. Verse 25 says, and when you stand praying... Forgive. So we already begin to see something here, and it gets scary. If we are praying and believing God, but we're not forgiving, then you might as well forget what you're praying about. Can, can I say it that way? Uh, am I, uh, no, ask yourself, uh, am, I, am I stretching things? Am I exaggerating, speaking evangelistically or any of that sort of stuff? We okay? Does, does that, that's what it says, right? It says what it means. All right, that's scary. Verse 25, And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26, but. You know what but means? That means, yeah, you got it. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So we're talking about forgiving, apoluo, forgiving, all right? Now, this command that we just saw about being forgiving and, and uh, or you won't be forgiven. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. It's three times. It's, once, it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke. This is... When you see it repeated like this, you know that, it, that he's trying to con connect with us. He's, and, and all three of his, the, the, the writers of this saw it and knew it was important enough to include. And, of course, that was by the Holy Spirit. It reminds me of something we find in Matthew chapter 6. Now, I know that most of you know exactly where I'm going, but we know it as the Lord's Prayer. How many of you, you can probably repeat the Lord's Prayer? But one of the things that we, we kind of, let me highlight a couple of things here in Matthew chapter 6 uh, in the 10th verse. 
We pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. And we say, yes, yes, yes. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And forgive us our debts as we forgive the debts of others. So here we see it again. How many times do we have to see it before we get this? Now, you've heard the, you've heard the sermons about forgiveness. You, and and I, believe me, I've known people. For those who don't know, this is my 38th year doing this. I've been serving him for over 40. I've studied. I've, I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm saying I have talked to a lot of people and seen a lot of things. And I can't tell you how many times uh, we, I talked to somebody and, and did you forgive him? Yes, I forgave. But I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to forget. And then you notice how quiet it gets when you hit the truth? I can't even hear eyeballs clicking. You know, don't look at me. This is so much more true than we really want to admit. Because there's so many ways that we've been offended by so many things in, over so much time. I experienced this, and, and I shared it with some of you. I experienced this last November. And, uh, and it was really a surprise to me. Um, as, as many of you, most of you know, because you've been a part of this house for a while, that, that uh, my, my wife, our co-founding pastor, passed away, went to be with the Lord, left me for another man <laughs> back on July 19th. But, oh, I don't blame her. <laughs> if I get a chance, I'm going to leave here for another man too. So <laughs> believe me. You know, you ought to see the house she's in, living in now. And her clothes, man, they're out of this world. So, but she left me. She left me. And I really struggled with it. We'd been married for 40 years. If we'd, if we'd made it a few more months, we would have been married 41 years in December. I've spent most of my life with her. We got married. We went to Bible school together. We got out of Bible school. We went back and worked and served the Lord in Lubbock until 1981 when we came here and, and together we founded, planted this church. And we've worked together all, all that time since then until July 19th of 19, uh, 2018. <laughs> 19, mm. So I was, having a, I was really struggling with it. And especially... I thank God for all of you who came and hung out at, at the house where I am because it was, I wasn't alone. And that, that was so helpful. Even though I couldn't participate with a lot of stuff and I'd even go to bed early, I could hear the voices. I wasn't alone. And, and, and yes, we know that we're never alone because he's always with us. But when you've had another person in your life for that long, it's really, really struggled to... And, and, of course, here's all the questions. Why, why, why? What, what, where did we fail? What, what, we know the Scriptures. We know the Word. We know Him. We understand. Why, why, why? And I never got an answer, and very few people do. But it was in November, and 
uh, I was there alone at the house, and I don't know, I can't even tell you what triggered it. Uh, but something triggered it, and I had one of those emotional explosions, you know, where, I mean, I, I'm just sobbing. I, I, and I'm not given to crying. I hate crying. I'd rather not cry anytime. But nonetheless, I, I, it, it exploded. I, it was uncontrollable. And when I finally, finally was able, I sat down on the couch and finished, finished my fit, uh, which I'm not ashamed of because it's part of healing and healing of grief. But um, I, I was saying, Lord, I don't even remember what I was telling him. I just remember I, I started talking to the Lord about this because I can see it like it was yesterday. And all of a sudden, and I didn't hear a voice. All of a sudden, I knew on the inside of me, you need to forgive her. <laughs> and, and my first thought was, for what? And then it began to kind of drift up out of my spirit. Unresolved conflicts, unmet expectations, uh, all kinds of little things like this that collect and add up. Uh, and because very, very often, uh, as a husband, we expect certain things of a wife. A wife expects cer certain things of a husband. And, and a lot of times, these, these things, are, they're just not met. We don't even know. You know, uh, I remember when we were in a marriage class before we got married. And they, they had us write out expectations you know, what we expected. And I, I, I was just thinking, you know, uh, you know, sew, sew up my clothes, you know, sew, sew up, uh, polish my shoes. Uh, and she said, what? I'm not polishing shoes. I don't even sew. Leave me alone. She said, what's this? About? I said, well, my sisters do it for me. Boy, we had some intense fellowship over that. I didn't even know if we were going to make it. Polish your shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had, she was, she had the capability of righteous indignation on call, and I got burned by it several times. But I began to forgive everything that I could think of, every little thing. Some of them were bigger, some of them were smaller, but I, I everything that would that came to my mind, I forgave. And when I got finished, the pain of my emotional outbreaks was gone. The pain was gone. Now, I told you this story for this purpose. The second definition or the second way that this word apoluo is translated is release. And here's the principle here. You may forgive, but unless you release them, you're not released that's, that's a scary thing. So it explains a little bit about why if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Is because as long as you hold that, and as long as you for, forgive and forget it, you release them from anything that they may have done, that causes you to be released from that as well, which is pretty deep. It really is. So it, it's not enough to forgive you must release them because in doing so, you release yourself. And this could explain some of those unanswered prayers. This could explain why more Christians aren't doing the works because they're, they're not released. They're, they're still bound. 
And I'm talking to people that are here this morning because I discovered that morning I was still bound. I, I hadn't been released. When I released her, because I'd, I'd forgiven all that stuff. I've forgiven her in those, those arguments that we had or those disagreements. Or I'd forgiven her because we kept, we kept on going and, and doing well. But they weren't released. And when I released her, I was released. And the pain of that experience was gone. And though I still find emotional things, the pain is gone. The sting of death is gone. If I, Somebody said it that way. So they were released. Then, and, and this word is used several, several different ways as it has to do with re, uh, release or loosed. Remember, uh, T.D. Jakes made Woman Thou Art Loosed a famous thing there, right? The word loosed there, and it's, and it's in Luke chapter 13, the word loosed is apaluo. Woman, you're free. This was the woman that was bent over, what, 18 years and couldn't straighten herself up? And the Lord touched her, and she was loosed, apaluo. The same word is forgive. She was released. Same word, interestingly enough, that, that you find over in, uh, well, you find it probably several places, but in Mark chapter 15, in the 15th verse, we find that the crowd, when, when Pilate asked the crowd, who do you want me to release, Jesus of Nazareth or Barabbas? Interesting that Barabbas means the son of the father, Abba, Bar Abba. But that's beside the point. They yelled, release, release Barabbas, release Barabbas. And Pilate released him and took Jesus to be crucified. Same word. I tell you that because the implications are heavy. All right? The third, the third aspect, and it's not used very often this way, but it, uh, uh, it was used, and that's to send forth. Because I believe that once you forgive and you're released, then now you're free to be sent. And I believe the Spirit of God will start using you and speaking to you, but you got to make sure your slate's clean. Because, listen, if you're still holding somebody in unforgiveness... Oh, uh, this, this, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> if we're not forgiven, where are we? Uh, do you understand? If we're not forgiven, what's going to happen next? Because we, we count our future as being forgiven and having nothing held against us. And I didn't say all this. Jesus said it more than once. It's written, written over and over and over in the scriptures in many ways, and I gave you some of them. So if, if you refuse to release someone, you're still bound somehow. But, but I think really in, in our context today, it has to do with you being used by the Spirit of God. Once you released and you are released, then that third application can come in and he can send you out. He can use you. He can cause you to be effective for the kingdom. And I think that these are, there are probably many components to this, but this is a big one. Because if you, you who have been forgiven much won't forgive somebody who did something bad to you, huh. somebody may have hurt you really bad. And, and some of you 
listen, we, we live in a generation when there's so much hurt. And, and there's so many victims of so many evil things. And so many people that say I was abused. And they can't get past that abuse. And they may have received Jesus as their Savior, but they can't go further than that because they are still holding the abusers. They may have made an effort to forgive, but they have to release so they can be released. And I think it's, I think it's very important that we understand that. And it's very important that you share that with others as well because it does no one any good for them to refuse to release someone that did them so, that hurt them so badly, so badly. I mean, whether it's, whether it's adultery in a, in a relationship or whether it's abuse or, or the list of ways people hurt each other is enormous. But we, why would we want to continue on being bound by it, dragging it like an anchor through our lives when we can cut that anchor chain and we can be released to go forth? It's up to you. You, you, you got a choice. You know, that, that's the most wonderful thing about it is he gives you the choice. He doesn't do this for you unless you ask him to do it. He won't help you unless you want to be helped. The world's full of unhelped people. But they, they will not come to the Lord and say, I, I need your help. Ah, uh, PDA. Public display of affection back there on the back row. Well, what am I going to do when they're necking on the back row in the middle of the service? I'm, that's okay, Andrew. I release you. Uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to... to be, I want you to become effective for the kingdom. That's one of the things, that's the centerpiece of Freedom Crusades is seeing plain old believers becoming sons and daughters and doing the works of the one who saved them. That, that's, the, that's the centerpiece for Freedom Crusades. And, and we want to see that happen. I want to see it happen. Andrew's been preaching it. Excuse me, Pastor Andrew. And, and I, I, I say that with all respect because... He's my pastor too. Listen, I understand how he feels. I was young here once also. And, uh, but the scripture says, let no, Paul said it, let no man despise thy youth. So I want this church, this house, everyone in the sound of my voice this morning to be free. And I realize that there are many people who have been married many times and you have lots of baggage. But the Lord knows that too. Matter of fact, I look around and see Freedom Crusades is, is full of people like that. But they're forgiven. And God's using them because they did not refuse to forgive and forget. 
they said, okay, yes, I've been hurt many times by many men or hurt many times by many women or whatever the case may be. We live in the most screwed up generation that there's ever been, as far as I can tell. I can't, I can't find a, new, a generation that's done the things that our generation in the world and in America have done. One of the greatest travesties besides abortion was no-fault divorce. Let people marry and, uh, I'm unhappy with this and out of here. I'll start over. I'm going to go do it again. And they end up, I met one man. Actually, he prophesied with me. He said, you keep preaching this kind of stuff, and, and the only person you'll be preaching to in a, in, in a year is your daughter and your wife. He'd been married eight times. And he was telling me how I was doing. I wasn't, I wasn't doing it right. I met a woman that was married eight times. She's dead. She died an alcoholic. Listen, there's so much baggage, so much baggage. And I can't tell that God's so, for, so concerned with that as he is you being free because you're still his son. You're still his daughter. You're still his child. So it's so important for you and for the kingdom and for this age and this time for you to get released so that you can do your part in bringing in this last harvest, seeing the gospel preached to all the ends of the earth, and then the end will come. How many of you, how many of you can't wait to stand in his presence? Amen. Well, we can speed it up by doing it his way yeah. instead of figuring out our way and trying to work it into his way. It just doesn't work that way. There's only one right way, and he is right. So let's, let's get it all together, okay? Let's not just forgive, but let's forget. Let's release. We got to. Thank you, Brother Albert. I love this word. I love this word because it's liberating. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But... The sun doesn't set you free if you only forgive and never release because you have kept yourself bound. Anyway, I'm going to quit beating this horse before it dies. We need to come. I think it's important that we don't just, I think it's important that we come to the place of, of, of the meeting place with God, not just our chairs. Our, you know, it's, we can, we, can, we can say we did anything if we don't ever do anything. You can sit there with your head down and everybody says, well, maybe he's... No, I think an action is required. When you have faith to be released, faith has corresponding action, doesn't it? That's why we offer these altars for you to come and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Let's release them, whoever it is. And I, I promise you, you close your eyes and, and open your heart for a minute, you're going to see them. They're going to come floating up out of the past. And it's not necessarily fun. But for you to release them is releasing you. And I'm, I'm asking if you want to be free, that you examine your own heart and release them that, that come to mind. Amen? Let's bow our heads. If you want to come release, please do, because it's only good for you. It's only good for you. Father God, your people are here today. They've listened intently, Lord, to your word. 
because you're not only speaking to the church, you're speaking to every member that's here, every house in this house that's hearing your word, Lord, has already seen some things because I doubt that there's anyone that's never actively released who still that doesn't need to today. So, Lord, as we come to your altar, we ask you to help us release so that we can be released. And I thank you for it this morning in that wonderful name of the one who saved us and released us all, Jesus. Come on, come on, let's make it happen.